Good morning, Fellowship High Crest. Well, we can do better than that. All y'all not Longhorn fans like I am, you should have more energy. Good morning, Fellowship High Crest. All right, that sounds like your team won yesterday. All right. My team, I tell you what, they need Jesus. Boy, I tell you what, hey, they remind me of how much I need grace. Each fall. <laughs> All right. In between being a Longhorns fan and a Cowboy fan, I, I know that sanctification is a progressive work. <laughs> For sure. Um, she doesn't know I'm going to do this, but I'm going to ask my friend Summer Stanley to come up here with me and join me up on stage. Um, you know, one of our rhythms that you'll hear about later is celebration. And one of the things we want to celebrate all the time here is someone saying yes to God for their next step. Summer is getting ready to go off for six months to Australia. Yeah. And, and so Summer said yes to God. And so she's going to go to training for the next six months in Australia, away from her family, away from her friends and everything she knows in order to take her next step with God. And so... Um, Shelly, would you come up here and join me in, in praying? And Deb, uh, JP, Lindsay, would y'all come up here? I want to pray real quick for Summer as she prepares to go out and say yes to God and her next step. Um, Summer is selling T-shirts to help raise money for that. Today's the last day. Today's the last day. And so how much are they? They're $20. They're $20. Let me see here if I have a 20 and you can give me a shirt. Um, I need a, let's go green. I don't have as many green t-shirts, and I'll sport it. Here's my 20 for extra large. And so, um, yeah, I'm celebrating the extra large, too. I mean, I, I, yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All right, so we're going to pray for Summer and her taking her next step. And if, if you want to support her and, and her taking her next step, then get with Summer after service. She'll be around and, and support her in saying yes and celebrate that with her. All right. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, my sister here and just how you have been transforming her heart and using her for your glory and your kingdom and your will. We pray that you would go before her and prepare hearts and minds that you would continue to have our heart be pliable and mold her into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. Help her to just soak up all the training. Help her to have boldness and courage as she goes forth, provide her material needs so that she's able to go worry-free of finances, but able to fully be in the moment and hear you speak through your Holy Spirit. We know that you have great things planned for her life. We're appreciative of all she has done as a part of our body. And now, Father, we just ask that she would always know that she has a family that, that knows her and loves her as a reflection of a God who fully knows and fully knows, uh, loves her. So we thank you and praise you in your darling son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. You're welcome. All right. If you are a first-time guest to um, Higher Crest Campus, I want to tell you that um, the Bibles that you see in your seat, um, if you don't have a Bible, is our gift to you. Um, if you don't have a Bible that's easy to read, then that is our gift to you. If you know someone that doesn't have a Bible or doesn't have one that's easy to read, then please take that one and give it to them as a gift from the both of us. 
Normally what we would do is, because we want you to see that what we're teaching actually comes from the Word of God, we would normally put up the, the page numbers on the screen that correlate to the page numbers in those Bibles. But during this series that we're in, we're using various passages throughout the message. And to keep you from having to flip back and forth and different things of that nature, we're actually going to be putting more scriptures on the screen than normal. So um, this is the last week of our sermon series, DTR. Um, if you're not familiar with the term, it, it means defining the relationship. And, and if, you, if, if you haven't caught those or you missed one or two of them, I encourage you to go to the uh, internet, to our webpage, fellowshiphighchrist.com, or to the app and go to the High Chris campus and you can catch up on those. Um, I think it will benefit you. But during this series, we're hoping to define the relationship between the Christian and the church and, and how it all fits into God's will. Just because some of us may have missed some weeks or different things of that nature, I want to catch us up with where we've been over this series. And so let's look at it. So when we talk about the church and defining what the church is, we like to use the diagram that you see on the screen. And we do so because language matters. That's why we, what we, we like to call what happens here on a Sunday more the gathering than we do church. Because when we think about church, we think of a group of people whose lives are centered around two things, gospel and community. Gospel is always content, and community is always context. With this being said, um, church is not a building, it's not a service, it's not an event, but it's a group of people, those whose lives are centered around gospel and community, those who have made Jesus Christ their Lord and their Savior. Therefore, on Sunday mornings and on Wednesday nights is when Fellowship um, Highcrest gathers together. And throughout the rest of the week is when we scatter. So on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights is when we gather. And throughout the week, the rest of the week is when we scatter. That's why we like to call this the gathering. Because this is when the church gathers. Now, both parts of the body are important. And here's why. We say that the only power we have to change comes from the spirit of God using the word of God in the context of the community of God. That means if you want to become more like Jesus in any area of your life, it's only going to happen by the power of the Holy Spirit using the scriptures in the context of the local church. If you want to see change, it won't happen in isolation. It won't happen by your sure willpower. It'll only happen by the power of the Holy Spirit using the promises of God in the context of the local church. So we, when we talk about this, we say gospel is always the content and community is always the context. Now, the gospel has two parts. Um, first part is word. Now, word is the gospel in the areas. It's all about who we think about, who God is and what he has done, our relationship to him and others because of what he has done. And when we talk about the other part, the gospel on the ground or mission, mission is not a trip that we go on, but mission is how we live in light of what we believe. Mission is how we live in light of what we believe. Community describes how the church does life together as they go along. At Fellowship High Church, when we think about community, we have seven rooted rhythms that we want you to do with a small group of people here at the High Crest campus. We want your small group not to be just this social gathering, but your small group is a group of people that you're living on mission with, 
And if you go back to what I previously said, what you see on the screen, that means this is a group of people in which you live out what you say you believe with. This is your fight club. This is your team that you're hitting the ground and actually living out the scriptures in which you say you believe with. In which you're accomplishing the will of God. So what are those seven rhythms? I'm going to explain them real quickly as we keep flying through here. The first one is daily devotions. We want you to be able to connect with God. And one of the ways we want you to do that is through the reading of the scriptures, knowing the promises. And we teach the method of reading scripture called REAP. Inside those Bibles that are on your seat, you'll find kind of a reading guide. And we say we're not trying to control um, every part of your life. But the reason we give you those is so that we can all be on the same page, so that we can encourage one another um, from the same scriptures each day. And I, I, I daily almost get the opportunity when I get a call or have a conversation and say, man, that fits right in what I was reading this morning and get to encourage one another. Now, think of the power of that. When everywhere you turned, if everyone was on the same page and reading the same scriptures and able to encourage one another from the same thing. The next one is we want um, to create a culture of prayer and we teach um, praise, repent, ask and yield. And so we get energy and we get to release the energy of the spirit through breathing deeply of the spirit. And that's through prayer. Next one is freedom from strongholds. We want you to know your enemy. And so as you go through Rooted, if you're signed up for that, which 104 of you are um, signed up for that, which is great. Um, you will learn and be able to connect in the LTG or a life transformation group where you'll help get freedom from your strongholds. The next one is serving the community. We want people through Rooted to connect with God, connect with God's people and connect and fulfill their purpose in life. So you'll be able to have a mission spot. You'll be able to have a spot where you can dive deeply as a small group where you're saying this is our spot. This is where we go deep. This is where we serve on a regular basis together. This is where we show collectively uh, and witness to the world, the onlooking world, what it looks like to follow Christ. And so you have a place. You'll get to select that as a small group, as a rooted group, and you get to dive in deeply there. The next one is sacrificial generosity. Generosity is not about your pocketbook. It's not about your calendar. It's about your heart. And in a couple of weeks here, we'll be going into a series that talks all about that. And then um, the next one is sharing your story. Everyone has a story, and that story is a part of the big story. It's God's story. And, and the better we know the big story and how we connect to that story, the better we'll know ourselves and the purpose for our story to this point. All the events of your life are not just happenstance and circumstances and things that happen by coincidence. But God uh, orchestrated those things for a certain way to have a certain purpose carry out in your life. And we want you to find that. And then celebration. It's a part of what you just saw right here this morning. It's a part of you were there Friday night dancing with my wife on her 40th birthday. And I appreciate y'all who were there. Celebration, being a part of something bigger. My kids were one or, once orphans, but now they have a family. And we celebrate that. Now, during the series, we said that church membership is a formal relationship between a Christian and a church characterized by the church's affirmation and oversight of a Christian's discipleship and the Christian's submission to living out his or her discipleship in the care of the church. 
So there's a mutual relationship in there. There's a mutual relationship between the two. We also spent a week viewing and learning from examples of the early church in the New Testament. And here are some of the things that we learned. We learned, first of all, that it's biblical. Jesus established the local church and the apostles did their ministry through it. The Christian life in the New Testament, um, it was church life and Christians today should expect the same. Think about it. In all the ways that Jesus could have started his church, he chose to invest in 12 guys and have them do the same and repeat the same. This was a part of his plan. The church is his members. To be a church is to be one of his members. You can't be a church by yourself. It's how we officially represent Jesus. Membership is the church's affirmation that you are a citizen of Christ's kingdom. It's how the Christian declares their highest allegiance. Church membership is a public testimony that your highest allegiance belongs to Jesus. We should never be more comfortable with a political affiliation than we are with belonging to a local body of Christ. We should never be more comfortable with carrying around a keychain that has a gym membership on it than we are with being a member of a local body of Christ. We should never be more comfortable with wearing around a hat for a team that we cheer for than we are with being a local member of a local body of Christ. There should be no allegiance we have higher than our allegiance to Christ. It's how we express and experience the biblical metaphors for the church. In order to be a part of the body, you actually have to have a body. In order to be a part of the temple of God, you actually have to be a part of the temple of God. That's a, that's a part of it. It's how you serve other Christians. Membership helps you know which Christians on planet Earth you are specifically responsible to love, serve, warn, and encourage. It's how you follow Christian leaders. Membership helps you to know which Christian leaders on planet Earth you're called to obey and follow. As a member of Fellowship Bible Church, Joe Hitchman and the elders of FBC are my spiritual leaders. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to a lot of, of books and read a lot of things and absorb a lot of things. But my primary spiritual leaders that I am responsible to is Joe and the elders of our church. It helps Christian leaders lead. Membership lets Christian leaders know which Christians on planet Earth they will give account for. Being pastured is something that you submit to. It enables church discipline. It gives you the biblically prescribed place to participate in the work of the church discipline responsibly, wisely, and lovingly. It gives structure to your Christian life. It's God's discipling program. It it builds a witness and invites the nations. It's God's evangelism program. It's how we're collectively supposed to be showing the world who Christ is, who God is, and how we're supposed to relate to one another. During another week, we said that the way that the local church decides who gets to be a part, who they affirm, is by looking for people who have done a couple things. The first one is affirmation. They're able to affirm who they represent and why. 
Those who are part of the church should understand the gospel and be able to explain it to others. Faith. They agree with our statement of faith. Right now, there's this thing going around where people are denying the bodily resurrection of Christ. Now, everything should not be held to that standard like the bodily resurrection of Christ. But in scriptures, we see Paul talk about if if Christ did not rise from the grave, then we are to be most pitied of all men. I'm going to tell you something. If Christ didn't rise from the grave, then I need to go get my heathen on. Because all is lost. And we've been wasting our time. Repentance. Um, This person has a repentant heart. This means that that we're not looking for perfect people or people who claim that they don't sin, but people um, who admit that they're sinners and fight against it. And then the last one is baptism. A person who has gone public with their faith through a believer's baptism. Baptism is the first and easiest step of obedience for a Christian because all he asks us to do is get wet for him. And if we're not willing to get wet for Jesus, then we're probably not going to be willing to live out his word. A couple of weeks ago, we spoke about what it looks like to submit to the local church. And and then we spoke about the taboo topic of church discipline. We discussed the biblical basis for it and and the purpose of it and when to use it and how to carry it out. And and then finally, last week, we spoke about a church membership when the church membership process differs between local bodies. Who is correct? Here's the conclusion we came to. We said that the way or the method is not the most important thing. And when we make it so, we're being more divisive than we are helpful. Different is not always wrong. Different is just sometimes different. And that's important. So where do we go from here? In 1 Corinthians 13, Paul writes to the church this. He said, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. This passage comes after he explains the proper view and use of gifts in the church. In the same way that Paul says that having all the right theology and methods is useless if we don't use our spiritual gifts to love others, the same is true when it comes to a biblical knowledge of what the church is and what church membership is. Church membership, like every other part of our lives, should be used to define love to the onlooking world. There are two things I want to cover quickly about church membership, defining love to the onlooking world, and then I want to give one of you an opportunity to come up and share a story how they've been loved on as being a part of the body. So the first one is this, pieces of love pieces of love. When it comes to loving others, it often gets sticky and confusing really quickly. 
The reason being is when um, general society thinks about love, we think about something that has no center, no parts, and no boundaries. The problem is whether you talk about the use of gifts or church membership, love begins with an act of mercy. Listen to what Jesus said in John 15, 13. He says, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. Love begins with an act of mercy. And then a call to obedience. If you love me, obey my commandments. Biblical love begins with an act of mercy and then a call to obedience. Let me say that again. Biblical love begins with an act of mercy and then a call to obedience. And there's two ways you can hear that. Often in the church, we want to call people to obedience before we are willing to love them. And often in the world, they want to show acts of mercy, but don't want to call people to obedience. Biblical love begins with an act of mercy and then follows with a call to obedience. This is a combination that the world does not understand, and therefore we see love and holiness as being opposed to one another. This causes most of us to have little peace when it comes to loving others biblically. Our lack of peace causes us to only love people in pieces at best, and at at worst it causes us to pretend instead of authentically loving those in which we're around. Biblical love begins with an act of mercy and then a call to obedience. The second thing is for real. Paul says this in Romans 12, 9 through 8. He says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Now, when, is, when, when somebody... Have you ever gotten a message from somebody when somebody says, hey, I need you to pray for this, but I need you to really pray for this? And you wonder why they, they got to follow up and tell you, like, you need to really pray for this? Like, like have I not been praying? Then it says this. It says, hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Boy, I wish I had some keep on praying folks on my team. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Stay ready so you ain't got to get ready. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Hospitality here, if you look up that word, means to love on strangers. So if you're only entertaining your friends, then you're not practicing biblical hospitality. Are you ready to love on strangers? Bless those who persecute you, those who talk about you online, those who stab you in the back, those who undercut you at work. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. 
Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. You know, those folk that ain't necessarily like you in your same uh, stage of life. Those people that ain't in your same age group or your same economic bracket. Those people you pass by on the corner and look the other way and act like you're turning the radio. Ordinary folks that you walk by on the sidewalk when you see them digging in the trash can. Ordinary folk. People at work that you see ain't going through some emotional, having problems. Classmates. Ordinary folks. And don't think you know it all. Google ain't paid it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Man, that is a hard passage to read. It walks down my block in all kind of ways, backwards and sideways and diagonally, all kind of ways. King Jesus called his churches to genuinely love one another. It is through that act that they will affirm their distinctiveness and draw others to their alternative city within the city. So that's what the church is supposed to be. The church is supposed to be this alternate universe kind of thing within the world we're living in. It's kind of when I lived in Dallas and inside the city limits of Dallas is this another uh, neighborhood called Holland Park. Now, Holland Park is inside the city limits of Dallas, but they got their own police force. They got their own school district. They're like an alternate city within the city. The church is supposed to be this thing that's attractive because it's distinctive. And people saying, I can't get that anywhere else. I can't experience love like that anywhere else. This diverse group of people doesn't exist and do life in harmony despite their backgrounds like anywhere else. And the socioeconomic difference just doesn't matter inside the church like everywhere else. And, and they value women uh, differently than everywhere else in our society. And they care about those that, that are hurting mentally and emotionally. And they, they tell them to go get the help they need and support them. They see those that have made mistakes and don't hold it against them yet. Look for ways to elevate them. That doesn't happen everywhere else, but I want to be a part of something like that. That's what this is talking about. That's what makes us distinctive. That's what's going to draw the world to us. That's what's going to make people attract to us. It's not how slick we can be in speech. It's not how many programs we can run. It's us being different than anything else they can find in the world. We can't out-entertain them, but we can't out-love them. (laughs) Genuine love includes empathy and accountability, though. It's, It's the ability to empathize with what someone is going through and yet hold them accountable at the same time. I empathize with my kids' past, but I won't let them use their past as an excuse. It means loving like we've been loved with mercy and a call to the freedom of obedience. Obedience is not a burden, it's a freedom. When we do will cause the nations to praise God. You know, as we get ready to finish this morning, I'm going to call up my friend, 
uh, Cassandra Mabon to come and share some of her story of just in these short four months, how she's felt loved on as a part of the Fellowship High Crest body. Cassandra, why don't you come on up? Hello, High Crest family. Um, So I was called up here today and asked, you know, how have you felt God love on you since you've been here at High Crest? God has shown me love here in a multitude of ways, but I'm going to tell you that through the people of High Crest is how he has shown me the most Um, Since I was a child, um, even my teenage years, and especially as an adult, I've never really felt like I belonged anywhere. Like, I pretended so much and for so long to be someone who I thought everybody else wanted me to be, someone they thought that, or that I thought that they would like, that I forgot who I was. And when I came here to Highcrest, God put the exact people that I needed at exactly the right time in my life to show me love. They showed me not only the love, but that I belonged, and they also kept me accountable. People like Mike, who come in every single week that we see each other without fail, he asked me, how are you doing? How's your family? He prays for me and for my brother. For Carol, who's with my small group, she knows the real me, the one who cries about everything, the one who, when I belly laugh, I snort, the one who falls asleep during when I am reading my word at nighttime. She knows me and loves me just the same no matter what we talk about. Through Trisha and Suzanne and through Lindsay, these beautiful women of God who we might have a passing conversation and they come up to me three weeks later and say, hey, remember when we were talking about this? How are you doing with that? Is your family okay? I'm praying for you. These acts of kindness, of love, of acceptance, this is how God has shown me how he loves me. And I am so blessed to be loved by God so much that he gave Christ for me and to give me the exact family I needed here on earth so that I could walk with him. So thank you. Thank you, Cassandra. Last Sunday, some of you were able to go through starting point. If you didn't get a chance to, I hope you look forward to the next opportunity in November. We'll be doing those about once a quarter at this point. Um, If you have or you haven't, let your motivation not be to check a box, but love. Let it be a way to demonstrate a greater love for Christ. In John 13, 34 to 35, Jesus says this. He says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. The thing that will prove to the world that we follow Christ is how we love one another. Let me... Jesus said, the way that we will prove to the world is not how many hungry people we feed, not how many mission trips we go on, not how well we sing songs, but how we love one another. Not how many services we come to, not how much money we give, but how we love one another. That's what Jesus said will prove to the world that we follow him. 
the greatest show of the love Christ has for us is when he gave his life for us. If you believe that it's by that sacrificial act and the merciful act of the father raising him from the grave, that you're able to have a relationship with the God of the universe, then you've done what we call stepping across the line of faith. If you haven't done so, I want to give you that opportunity today. I'm going to pray in just a minute. No special words, no special order words, just a prayer of thanks. Giving you an opportunity to say, I was trying to trust in myself. I was trying to be good enough for myself. But now I'm stepping over to trust solely in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And that he is enough because I never could be. If that's where you're at today, I want to invite you to pray with me in a second. If you're here today, maybe you've made that step, but you haven't gone public through the act of water baptism. I want to let you know that you don't have to delay anymore. This month we'll be doing baptisms again. You can sign up out at our welcome center afterwards. If your kids are beginning to ask questions about baptism, you can, uh, there's going to be a class coming up. There's cards in your seat about that. You can talk with our children's ministry staff, and they can help you walk your kid through that whole talk about that time in their life if they're ready for that to happen. And if you, if you have stepped over the line of faith and you've gone public, I want you to seriously consider what does your next step of obedience look like? What does your next step of obedience to God look like? And are you willing to say yes? Are you willing to say yes? I can tell you what Summer did is not easy. Are you willing to say yes, though? There's, there's benefits that come. Jonah went his own way and had to pay his ticket to Tarshish. Where if he would have went to Nineveh, God would have paid the route. It might not be necessarily what you had planned out, but saying yes to God comes with benefits. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. And we love you. Committing is not always easy. It's not always comfortable. But thanks to the model seen in your son, Jesus Christ, we know what it looks like to be fully committed. Sometimes ignorance is bliss and not knowing what we're saying yes to is almost easier than knowing exactly what we're saying yes to because it makes it seem that much larger. But we're thankful that all of this doesn't depend on us and our willpower and our strength, but it depends on you and your character. We know that you're good, that you're everlasting, that you have all power, and that you've made promises to never leave nor forsake us. We didn't do anything to get our relationship with you, and we can't do anything to lose it. It's because of what you've done for us through your son, Jesus Christ, that we're able to have joy, that we're able to celebrate. And Father, if there's anyone in this room that's been working for joy, I I just pray that you would grant them the peace of knowing that you've provided it in the person and work of your son, Jesus Christ. 
Father, as we prepare to sing and take these elements, I pray that you would move on the heart of every person here, that we would rest in who you are. We praise you and thank you. In your darling son Jesus' name, amen.